Welcome back to the fourth edition of the Meet the Entrepreneur podcast, co-hosted by Ramir Kishwani and Artin Zahiri. This week, we had the pleasure of speaking with Shaker Rahman, CEO and co-founder of Birdseye and Havanote. Birdseye is a Series B company bringing AI and data analytics to grocery stores. They've seen close to 5x growth in store adoption since 2019. Havanote is a seed stage social media company looking to allow users to link posts directly to locations, allowing these areas to function as digital time capsules. We are very excited about the conversation we had, and let's jump right into it. Um, thank you, Shaker, for joining us. Um, you know, just to give uh, some context, right, you're the co-founder of Birdseye and uh, also the founder of Havanote, uh, two different startups that you're now running at the same time. Um, so why don't you just, to get it started, walk us through your career path. I saw that, you know, you, uh, you received your bachelor's degree in India and you also uh, graduated from your, ma- your master's from Villanova um, in, uh, in electrical engineering. So what were you kind of doing before you founded uh, these companies? Sure. Uh, thanks for having me on, by the way. Uh, so, yeah, I got my master's in electrical engineering, but really focused on an area called signal processing and pattern recognition. So right out of college, I uh, worked with a professor who was at the University of Pennsylvania. And uh, I joined him in the human genetics lab where we were doing pattern recognition and applying neural network techniques to genetic data. Uh, as part of the Human Genome Project. This was back in 93, before neural networks was called AI, I guess. <laughs> uh, so uh, his lab was one of the pioneers to uh, use neural networks and pattern recognition in the field of genetics, right, uh, genetic data. And then I moved on to UNLV, uh, where I worked with another professor to pretty much the same thing, set up her lab for, you know, analyzing uh, patterns in genetic data using neural networks and pattern recognition techniques. Uh, Then I moved back to the East Coast. I worked at Bell Labs and the speech recognition group uh, where we were collecting speech samples from people and building what today is probably being used in a lot of speech recognition software. Uh, So worked at Bell Labs for a number of years, helping them with do that, and then moved into uh, Wall Street, uh, right? so it looks like you guys already wound up where I wanted to be at that point. <laughs> but I came along circuit of screwed. So I, I picked up a lot of experience in infrastructure and I was running, uh, helping run a couple of data centers for uh, a firm there. So I picked up a lot of, uh, you know, uh, knowledge about data centers, servers, storage, technology, and all of that stuff. So kind of gave me a wide enough background where I knew the science stuff, you know, the pattern recognition, the AI, as well as, the actual technology pieces and uh, you know and then when this idea came about uh, 2010 it came because of uh, an invention day project that I helped my daughter with when she was in elementary school uh, where I had to help her with something to show in school and we went to the supermarket we couldn't find our way around and she said maybe I should build something that'll help people find products in a supermarket and I sat down one day with my colleague and threw this idea out at him. He said, we should do it. And that's how we started Birdseye. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it's got nothing to do with my background, nothing to do with everything I did before that. But uh, yeah, 
that's how I guess you know a lot of companies get started because you're trying to solve a personal problem, right? So. True. Yeah. And how how long did it go from uh, what was the time period from going from idea to launched uh, release product? Uh, I don't know, I guess we had the idea in 2010, started dabbling around with it, and we were still working full-time. I think it was mid to late 2012 by the time we quit our full-time jobs. So mm -hmm. when we decided that, okay, we're not going to look for another job, we'll just focus on building this. So I'd say late 2012, early 2013 is when we decided that we're going to make this a company. Uh, and it's probably the first time we really raised any serious money uh, mm -hmm. to it. At first revenue we probably had was 2014 late. Okay, cool. Yeah. No, so that's um, that's really interesting. I think it's uh, definitely notable that you started your career like using neural nets in the Human Genome Project, and then went to Bell Labs, which is obviously like you know like a legendary like hub of like scientific innovation that's pretty foundational, um, at least today. Uh, why don't you tell us uh, also? Um, you know, a little bit about the, the challenges and accomplishments that you have, uh, that you've like encountered while running Bird's Eye since foundation. Challenges. I think if you're a startup guy, uh, I think uh, you don't worry about challenges because <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a given, right? Uh, I think you focus on the solution. I think you focus on what is it you're bringing to market and how do you make it happen? And I think you have to have the the Edison approach, right? I'm willing to try 10,000 ways. It's not going to work to find the one way it does. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and I feel that entrepreneurship is really about that. Nobody really knows the future. You just have a gut feeling that this product has value in the market. And uh, uh, if you can manage to not get convinced by others that it's not going to work and can make it through that, uh, uh, you know, that journey, uh, I think you find... Uh, people will support you. Uh, and I guess that was the biggest challenge is not being in the space. We were just innocently excited about what we could do because we felt a personal uh, eye to solution. It's not just us having a problem. There's many people who have the same problem as a shopper. And that's why we, I guess, in our gut, we felt, okay, this is a worthy problem to solve and this is worth going after. Uh, but uh, I guess the biggest challenge that we really face is not knowing the retail sector, not understanding uh, how to position or talk to somebody and, and uh, maybe do some you know, testing to check validation. I think a lot of those things were big challenges uh, that if I know today, uh, I would have probably started off that way. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, so I'd say that was our biggest challenge, just not knowing the sector, not knowing the market. And probably you wasted a lot of time that we normally would not have. So, you know, as an entrepreneur listening to this, I think the first thing you want to do is you want to understand your market. And you may have a great solution, but you got to know what's the market that's going to want the solution, right? So. No, that's definitely true. And, uh, you know, Vinod Kosa uh, often talks about how, like, failure doesn't matter. It's only success that matters when it comes to founding a company. True. You know, I can't, couldn't agree more. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to be willing to fail, right? You just got to no, be absolutely. willing to fail a whole bunch. So, and I guess the later in life you get, the tougher that gets, right? Because you're, you're looking for stability and surety and security, right? So. Yeah. And to that point, um, do you ever, do you ever consider when you were in your younger years, uh, being entrepreneurial and starting a venture, um, rather than later on in the middle of your career? 
Well, you know, I was always entrepreneurial. So I always did something on the side, even when I was working a full-time job. Okay. Uh, always working on something or the other, uh, you know, some side gig that I was doing. Uh, I never thought really of a product of my own, but I always mm-hmm. did something entrepreneurially to, you know, bring in supplemental income, uh, you know, working all kinds of stuff, you know, not necessarily technical. Some of them were marketing related. Some of them were building, uh, you know, uh, networks, whatever it was. Uh, yeah. So I, I never, I could, could never be satisfied with a nine to five. Right. I was even at my job, I was inventing projects right, of stuff that we could do because mm-hmm. it was just the kind I could just sit sit, couldn't sit still. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's, um, you know, that's really telling. And then, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, how Note, right? And how that started and, um, you know, kind of like why you decided to start this company while also running another company, you know? Yeah, great question. So this must've been 2012 or 2013. I was in New York subway and I was stepping into a subway from the station, from the platform. And I don't know why, but uh, some, some thought hit me as like, you know, this subway has been around for a hundred years and number of people that must have gone into the subway car from the station and all their lives and everything that happened here. And kind of hit me that if it would be a cool thing if you could preserve information at a location like a time capsule, like mm. if I could leave digital information here that can be accessed through an app. Uh, and that's really where the idea of have a note really came about, which is, you know, can we leave stickies in the air that stay in the location that can be read by people much after the event is done. Uh, so I go to New York Times Square and I can see what happened on New Year's Eve over the years, right? Uh, so kind of make the location come alive. And that's kind of where the idea came about. Uh, so it lingered in my mind for a couple of years. I, uh, let's say 2014, 15, I got a bunch of kids, my friend's kids and my kids together. And I said, here's a summer project. I have an idea, build out a pitch deck for this, right? And mm-hmm. uh, and they did it and it, it seemed like they put a little bit more life into it and I was like, oh wow, this could really be something. Uh, but I was too busy with bird's eye and too involved with growing the company. I just didn't have the time. Uh, up until a couple of years ago when some of these kids graduated from college and they'd learned iPhone programming and some of them were in marketing, I said, well, if you really want to do this, now you can start a company. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of why I put the monkey back on their back and said, if you want it, you got to do it. So. That's how we started, you know, and uh, so we're in the, we're still in a very early stage, obviously past PowerPoint stage where we have a beta product. We're in the process of raising our first institutional round for it and, uh, you know, very serious launch phase in the next three months. That product. Oh, exciting. Yeah. What's your, how do you split your time right now between bird's eye and having a, what's like the breakdown? So the breakdown is 20 hours to bird's eye and four hours to have it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right uh, i mean uh, of course you know bird's eye is our is the main uh, main driver here it's it's probably mm-hmm. the growing company there's responsibility to people in the company we're growing pretty fast uh so without any question i think if there was ever a conflict it's always bird's eye that wins out uh but it's really off time you know so think of it like have a note is my serious hobby right now and we're mm-hmm. transforming it into something that can be really become serious where other people can pick it up and build a company out of it. Uh, so I'd say my typical time I work is 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Have a Note. Mm. Wow. You know, that's typically the time and weekends whenever I can. 
right? Mm -hmm. uh, and if I get an hour between lunch, I'll do something. But that's, you know, but you know, it's, it's like, if you have three kids, right? You can't ask a parent, you know, do you care for both the kids equally, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. it depends on the stage they're at, right? They need different things at different stages. Absolutely. And I think you just Absolutely. have to figure out what's needed where and, uh, and prioritize it. You know, you're not gonna let one kid starve because both kids are crying, you know, you get the point. So you gotta use some common sense, but also uh, if you've got four kids and you can't really feed a fifth mouth, don't have the fifth kid, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> So I think it takes a little bit of, you know, you, you got to know what your limits are and how to make sure you can treat them at the level that they need, right? So, sure. Yeah. No, and, uh, you know, that makes sense, right? Kind of like splitting and balancing the time appropriately. You know, what do you think the biggest needs are, right, for each of the businesses at this current point? You know, with Hopping Out, you mentioned that, you know, probably the biggest need is, you know, planning the go-to-market strategy and then also raising around, right? Yep. But, uh, but you know, for Birdseye, who it's a little bit later in development, mm -hmm. I'm sure that there's a lot more opportunity to capitalize on that, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it, for me, it's, you know, a startup is like, uh, you know, a torch, right? So initially you're shining a torch on a very small problem that you can see and you're trying to attack and solve that problem that you see. But I think what happens as you grow as a company, the torch kind of widens in scope and you see more and you see more mm -hmm. opportunity uh, based on what you've done. So clearly, as you grow as a company, you, you are in the market more. So you understand the market better and you understand how you can tweak and grow your solution to address the market's needs. Uh, so I, I think Birdseye is at a point where we've spent a good four and a half years, five years in the market. We understand it really well and uh, we identified opportunities and i think we've identified some big opportunities that we can go after so we're in the in the, in the process of uh pulling together some of our platform and solutions and then can getting ready for the next big leap uh if you will uh of we, how we can grow the company uh, uh that's where we're at so that obviously takes more coordination more funding more you know talent uh, on all of it to get together right whereas having out we're still at a point where you know three people can think of something and execute it in two days right, uh, right. so we're still in that phase uh, where we don't have enough visibility into the market and the fit and, and so on and so forth so, so for, makes sense for, I don't know Hopefully. yeah no 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 that uh, that totally makes sense um, you know for for bird's eye how do you feel about um, you know other companies that are also competing in the same space as you? Um, and what do you think sets bird's eye apart? So I don't know if you guys read Simon Sinek's The Infinite Game. That's a great book, if you haven't. I have not, um, I have not read it. Yeah, okay, anyway. So I, I think the, the deal is with, comp I think competition is fantastic. I think you, you should want competition. I think if competition is not there, I think it'll kill innovation, it'll kill productivity, you know, all of that stuff, right? So I'm really glad that there's some amazing companies out there doing stuff that we also want to do because I think it inspires each other. Uh, but I think for our own growth, I think the way we look at it is we look at our strengths, we look at our capabilities and, and look at our vision. I think if you're looking outside, I think if Usain Bolt is running a race, He's just looking at the finish line and running for the finish line without looking left and right to see who's next to him. Although he does that towards the end because he knows, he knows he's so far ahead, <laughs> right? Uh, 
but I think if you're running a race, you just focus towards the finish. Don't worry about who's next. I think because ultimately it depends on your performance and and how you push yourself, right? And I think you get to a stage in a company where you feel that you have uh, the elements to be big and be good. I think key is self belief. You know, drive that culture of self belief and and play that infinite game, which is, hey guys, let's just improve a little bit every single day. There's no end to that, right? You can always improve a little bit every single day. Uh, and I think if you do that, I think soon enough, uh, the culture uh, is visible to your customers. They see that you're just uh, committed to excellence and, and you're not so much about, hey, this company came up with this feature and we gotta somehow copy it, right? It's, I, I, think, I think when you get into a culture of copycat culture, you lose your original ideas and your original drive. You're constantly looking at other people and seeing how to catch up. And you're always mm -hmm. playing catch up, right? And I think you want to do the reverse. That is, you want to be self-secure in your journey and let other people play catch up with you. So that's the way I look at it. Um, and, and I think, you know, our strength is really the team, right? I think the ultimately, uh, at the end of the day, I think you strip away technology, strip, strip away algorithms, AI, all of the stuff, the only thing that you're really left with is people, right? right? And I think if you have a, a good, strong team with great chemistry, great belief in each other, I think you, you know, because of a startup, let's face it, you're going to face plenty of dark Mondays, okay? You're going to face many Mondays where you wake up and say, why the heck did I start this thing? And uh, maybe Mondays where you wake up and say, how am I going to pay my pay my guys this month, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and the only thing that we can really pull you through is you have a tight team that you can support, right? It's like, you know, if you're down 30 nil uh, halftime at Super Bowl, the only thing that can possibly turn it around is a bunch of guys who say, we're all going to do it and we're going to do whatever it takes to make it happen, right? Uh, if the crowd can't do it, you know, the coach can't do it, the people have to do it. So I think yeah. that's the way I see it. So I see it that, I mean, our strength is really the team, you know, it's, it's, we just have a great team. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and what's your target when you're looking at your, prof, your customer profile? What's your target kind of store? Are you looking for the, the big supermarket chains like Kroger and Albertsons or the mini marts or kind of everything in between? What do you guys look for? It's a good question. So we started off thinking that we'll really be serving the independents like the 1, 10, 15 store mm -hmm. chains. Uh, but what we quickly realized is why they're great. Uh, what we realized is from a data standpoint, they were simply not ready to make the jump to digital, right? Uh, so today we mostly focus on the 50 store, 50, 100, 200 store regional chains who mm -hmm. are big enough, like they're multi-billion dollar corporations, uh, uh, but they don't necessarily have the talent uh, and the internal technologies team to do some of the stuff that we can do. Uh, and that's where we find our best fit right now. So that's really our focus. But ultimately, I think the goal is to be available to everybody, uh, any tech, any any store size that wants to use our technology. But given our size today, that's our focus. Makes sense. Yeah. It's great to know. Yeah. So, if you had any learnings as being a manager, um, you know, during during like the pandemic. Uh, you know, we've been a remote team right from day one. We've never okay. gone to the office. That's good. So uh, uh, in that sense, nothing's changed for us, right? Uh, uh, we worked, you know, from home right from the founding of Birdseye. 
we do have an office that we occasionally go to get some espresso in, but uh, that's about it. <laughs> uh, but we mostly work from home and we love it that way. Uh, we find ourselves more productive. Uh, I don't know how long we can do it. If we're a hundred person company, I don't know if we can still do it. Yeah. Uh, but you know, right now it's working out just fine. So yeah, I mean, I, I'd say no, no real challenge at all. Tomorrow. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. But I was on a call yesterday with a bunch of uh, people, and one of them was uh, a founder who uh, made a, uh, I got a, a student ID card, which also doubled as a, a Visa debit card. So it was, it was a founder that worked with a bank to come up with a, you know, a student ID card that doubled as a debit card. Mm -hmm. And the, they would typically give that out to freshmen coming into colleges, you know, when they came in and kind of get them onto the bank account and use it as a student ID card. Mm -hmm. I guess what happened to that business now, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, so, yeah, so, so I guess there are certain businesses that really, really took a beating with this whole thing. Uh, and I, you know, unfortunately, I really feel terrible for all these small mm -hmm. businesses that are suffering here. So I wish that, I, I think that there's going to be somebody who comes up with a solution to help these guys out. You know, all these adversities typically always have, a bunch of companies that arise out of this that solve these problems. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And um, just kind of changing the subject a little bit. With I remember with Havino, you were talking about you know lining up uh, a raise, uh, get some capital in. How how has that been trying to secure capital in this time where you know markets are uncertain and we're you know in these unprecedented times? Have you noticed any challenges with trying to get capital from institutional investors? Actually, no. So I think, uh, I think what they're realizing is that uh, this is the time that most innovation happens. So mm -hmm. I think, uh, I think uh, you know, investors are more open to looking at innovative solutions. Uh, and they realize that you know, this is the time when big companies and great ideas are born. So I think they're more keen to listen to solutions at this time. And if you got something, I think, interesting, I think you'll find plenty of people who listen and invest you know so i i don't see a challenge really so that's great yeah. i mean this whole uh situation has actually been a blessing uh, for you it seems with the, the bird's eye catalyst and with this so i'm glad to hear yeah it. you know i i think i think uh, i i don't want to be uh i think clearly there's too many people suffering and you know course, yeah. having a tough time i'd say we were fortunate to yeah. be in this uh position uh you know a lot of people uh probably I would love to be in this position. So we certainly count ourselves as fortunate, but I think at the same time we have a responsibility, right? So being put in this position, I think it makes it all the more important that we do something good and succeed and Absolutely. do something positive here. Right? So. 100%. Yeah. Um, another question I had is, uh, this is, you know, both, both we're doing right now, but just in general, I mean, you mentioned uh, with having a, your team was mainly based of, you know, people you knew in your personal network. What's been your like hiring slash recruiting strategy for bird's eye? Was it similar? You just started off, you know, people, you know, mainly, or do you have to kind of go out and, and recruit people and, you know, put some job posting out? How did that work? <laughs> yeah, we grew organically. I'd say the first uh, 10 people on the team was all organic, right? People mm -hmm. that we used to work with people we knew, uh, and I think then you get to a point where we need new skill sets that we don't know people. <laughs> uh, then when you hire, then you got to go out and hire people, right? Uh, but I, I think we have a very simple philosophy. So 
I have this three-letter BCV approach. So I'm looking for believers that I have chemistry with that can deliver value. Oh, nice. right. So that's it. You know, so when we interview people today, that's we're looking for believers because we're a small enough team that we can't afford to have non-believers, right? Uh, and, and we're small enough that if there's no proper chemistry, it can really rock the boat. So you need to have chemistry. And if you're not providing value, then you're letting the team down. You've got to bring something that is going to enhance the overall value of the team, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's our simple philosophy when I interview people is I'm just gauging, you know, is this person has the potential to become a believer? Is he excited truly about our mission? Uh, do I think I can spend a, a whole day on a, an island with this guy, right? Uh, or this person, whatever it is, right? I think I think that's important because at the end of the day, uh, life, uh, work becomes such an integral part of life. If you don't truly enjoy it, you're not going to give your best, right? Uh, and in a startup, you don't have the option of being a passenger, right? You have to be a contributor because pretty soon you're going to be found out. You know, that's the unfortunate thing because there's a lot of people, you know, everybody's taking a risk. And if somebody is not doing their best in minimizing that risk, then everybody suffers, right? So sure. it's really not fair. I mean, you can't have a receiver that keeps dropping the ball and be on the team, right? So, mm-hmm. so. You made me talk more than I've talked in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're glad you we're glad to get your insights here. You know, it's very interesting what you're working on with both of these companies. So um, we appreciate your time. Um, it's been good. Ramir, do you have any, any questions you want to ask? Yeah. You know, we kind of touched on like, you know, the challenges like balancing like two companies and, you know, you said you spend 20 hours a day doing one thing and then four hours doing something Just kidding, else. Of course. Right. Of I don't course. want to scare anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think what I meant is that, you know, a primary business is bird's eye. There's no question about it, right? So that, that no. is the, that's what puts food on the table. That's, that's where the growth is. But I think that there's a point at which if you have an itch and you don't scratch it, it just transforms into something monstrous. So it's better to scratch the itch and have it out with an itch, right? Mm-hmm. I felt that if I didn't do it, somebody's going to do it and I'm going to go jump off a bridge if somebody else does it. <laughs> so it's no, one of those of things, you know. Yeah, of so course. I think, you know, you just figure it out, right? You figure out the right time to do, do it, so. Right. Do you uh, think that you have any, like, personal habits uh, that you keep in order to, you know, maintain focus and keep yourself from getting distracted uh, by focusing on too many things at once? So maybe if I look back when I write my memoirs, I'll figure out what habits I created. But I think, I think the key thing is uh, I've always figured, I think the only thing I've focused on is uh, the vision and why I want to do something. And that's always driven me to get disciplined about whatever else I need to do. Right. So if I know I have to deliver something tomorrow, I'm going to, that's center in my life. I'm going to figure out how to make it happen. So I think if you have daily deliverables like that, you just figure out a routine that's going to deliver the end result. And that creates the habits that you need to deliver the end result, right? So you don't consciously think of what habits do I need to create, right? The habits tend to be created out of your mission and your vision that you're chasing. So that's, that's what I tell people, you know, don't worry about how get something gets done. Focus on why you want to do it and, don't let your focus get deterred. That'll automatically create the discipline that you need to accomplish it. Because if it won't let you sleep, that's exactly what drives you to, you know, to manage your time, to be conscious about where you're putting your time, where you're putting your energy. Right. No, definitely like 
being conscious, right, about what you're doing and why you're yeah. doing it is probably the biggest motivator somebody could have. Yeah, and, and you make it work, right? And everybody's got everybody's got their own methodology. I know I'm not a big believer in okay, here's the ten what are the ten things you do to become successful, right? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I'm not a believer in those things. I just think you need to figure out why you want to be successful, and then I think we've all got enough smarts to figure out how to make it happen. You know, so that's yeah, absolutely, absolutely for sure. All right, yeah, but, no, that's uh, definitely you know, all the questions I had, Artin, if you have any, any final thoughts, um, you know, feel free to ask, but no, definitely want to thank you for taking the time and chat with us today. It's been, it's been great, Shaker, just getting to know you a little bit more about you and how you think about your businesses and, you know, kind of how you approach the whole entrepreneurial black box, right? Awesome. Well, it's been yeah. terrific speaking. And if any of you guys are listening, have a note, it's spelled H-A-V-A-N-O-T-E. You can find it on the app store. It's going to be out in a couple of months. Download it and have fun. All right. All right. Thank you. Uh, thanks, guys. Again, thanks for the time and have a good one. We're looking forward to see what's next for you. You too. Uh, all the best with you guys. Bye. All right. Take it easy. Bye. Bye.